Yo, check us out. Chuck D, a public enemy. Yo, what's up? This is DJ Yellow from the world's most dangerous group. What's up? This is DOC, the Diggy Diggy motherfucking doc. Yo, 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 what's up? This is your boy, Z, What up, dog? This is DJ. This is Jerry Heller, motherfucker. It's your boy, DJ Paul KOL for 36 Young Busy Bone. Vice Warp. It's your man, Matt, Mind the Hell Razor. Yo, this is DJ Ready Brand. What up, what up, what up? This is the real Rick Ross, and you listen to me on the Murder Master Music Show. Music, 
you know what I mean? And like, that's what, that's, that's one of the things I think, well, we're kindred spirits in that sort of sense. Like it doesn't matter. I know for sure you don't give a shit about sales. You know, I know for sure you don't give a shit about the major labels or anything like that. Like you hear the music and you hear the artist and you go, that's who I want to talk to. Yeah. hundred percent. And thank you so much. That means a lot coming from you because you were our, uh, to go guy to, to go out and do the special reports and, and, uh, bring in all this, this new talent, man. You really hustled for murder dog. You know, we all, we all, man, that changed it. my life. Yeah. How did it change my life in a big way? Like, how did you meet um, Black Dog and and you know come familiar with the magazine? So in 1995, I was in Austin, and I was writing for 4080 magazine out of um, out of Berkeley, and I was doing a lot of the stuff you know because they did a lot of Bay stuff. But if it was an East Coast thing, I probably wrote one of those. You know, I wrote some of the East Coast or the South stuff, like. And I also did, you know, street stuff for them. Like, I, I promoted for them. And I remember it was probably 96. And I was living in Amsterdam, actually. And I had seen, you know, the, the first couple issues of Murder. I was like, God, you got Master P, DJ Screw, all this grace, you know, this stuff from down here that no one covers. I had no idea who Black Dog Bone was. I had no idea how this happened. And I remember Lachlan was like, man, it's just like Indian dude. And Black Dog Bone is Sri Lankan, not Indian, but I mean, it's a easy mistake. And uh, he's like, this dude, man, he goes out into the hoods and just interviews all these people. And then his wife is like this white lady, man. And she, Mary Downs, who I want to talk about later too, Mary Downs needs to get as much credit as anybody for this. Oh, yeah. But he's like, no, Mary Downs, please. I, I, I want to talk to her so bad. Um, he was like, Likewise. yeah, and she like types up all these crazy interviews he does and da 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 da. And I'm like, what is this, man? What is Murder Dog, man? This is crazy. So I started, you know, back in the day before the internet and before being able to email somebody, I would go to Kinko's and Xerox, anything that I had published in regional magazines or like I wrote for Beatdown, 4080, Rap Pages, you know, all those types straight from the lip probably. And um, I would Xerox them and just send it off to Black Dog Bone at Murder Dog. Like, mail it to him, like, man, I want to write for you. I want to be a part of this. I want to do something. Never got a response. Never got anything. And that was, say, 96, 7. Let's say more 97-ish. In 99, I lived in Chicago. I had moved up to Chicago from Texas for three years. And um, E.C. Illa was my guy. I was a fan of his before, and we met. And, you know, the Wicked Entertainment guys were a big part of my, like, existence in Chicago, big time. Like, they helped me with everything. Oh, yeah. Killer beats. And, uh, oh, man, but of course, but, like, Sleepy and Sinbad were were my people. And EC was my dude, man, and he had to have the, the store of the tip and all that. Well, Murder Dog was doing a story, he did, and Black Dog did an interview with uh, EC. And he called me, he's like, hey, man, Murder Dog needs a photo of you know, some photos of me for the interview, but the editor wants to talk to you and uh, he wants to make sure you do the photos right. And I was like, oh, really? Black Dog wants to talk to me? Fuck yeah, tell him to call me, man. Tell him, I'll call him right now. What do we need to do? And so he called me. He's like, hit him up. Listen, I'm like, hey, man, listen, I've sent you a bunch of my clips. I've sent you all this shit. 
I want to write for Murder Doll. I want to do. I want to do all this. I want to be a part of this." And he was like, "Oh well, if you if you do these photos, okay, we'll talk. Okay, okay." It's like the way he is, you know. And I was just like, "Uh, I'm gonna do these photos, fine. You know what I mean? Like, and uh, so I did the photos of EC, and we sent them in. Everything was fine. And I was like, "Look, man, I want to do stuff with you." And uh, I can't, I don't know what, like, my first assignment was, but it probably was Chicago, you know, like, living there, I was, I was like, I can talk to anybody here, you know what I mean? Like, as I had written for lots of people, and I was writing for the Illinois Entertainer, which was, like, this original, you know, and, like, I was like, I can get to anybody, that was always my thing, like, I can, you know, what do you want me to do? Let's do it, you know, we can get it. And uh, it just became, like, I did photos and interviews with him. And, and one of the things was, like you said, in the streets, like, I was doing, he became, like, where did I always had regional reports? That's why, I, you know, I'd read Shirley Braxton and other magazines before, but when he started doing the Jacktown, Jackson, Mississippi column and things like that, that's where I really, he started resonating with me because I'd, you know, start looking up those things. And, uh I started just going out city to city for Murder Dog, promoting the magazine and interviewing every underground artist that 95% of them never made it, you know, but they were all cool, like underground, regional, dope groups that I like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And back to Charlie real quick. He is one of the most unselfish people I've ever met because, you know, when I came to Murder Dog, I didn't have a degree. I didn't. I didn't know anybody in, uh, on the team really. Um, and you know, he pulled me in, man, and he told me right off the bat, you know, hey, why don't you start writing bios? And uh, mm-hmm. you know, that became a wonderful side hustle for me, and I made a lot of money doing that because of him. He didn't have to tell me that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Hell of a guy right there, man. Shout out to Charlie Braxton. Man, Charlie is the realest OG of all OGs of music journalism of what we do and in, in the South and independence and just like his knowledge base is incredible, man. I love that dude. Oh yeah. Definitely, definitely. Um so so Black Dog, you know, he immediately sees your talent, recognizes it and starts sending you places. Um what were some of the favorite spots? that you uh, like to cover and who were some of the favorite artists in those regions that you covered? Man, I mean, living in Chicago, there was no uh, shortage of artists to cover. You know, the snipers were happening, you know, Crucial Conflict, Do or Die, everybody, man, you know. um, But going to Gary, Indiana was super special to me. That was only 30 minutes away from Chicago, but it was really like another world, not just another world from Chicago, but another world from the whole world. Like, I've never been in a place like that. I'm from Erie, Pennsylvania, which is not originally. I'm from Erie, Pennsylvania, which is not um, a rich city. It's not an amazing city. It's also on Lake Erie, just like Gary and is on Lake Michigan, but it's not exactly. It's just industrial Rust Belt type city, right? Yeah. Man, what I always say about when I was going to Gary, it was like, man, there wasn't even a McDonald's. There's probably a McDonald's somewhere. But, like, you know, everywhere you would go in the world, there's, like, a McDonald's somewhere. But, like, you go to Gary and you're like, man, I need to get some food or something. You're like, uh, all these places are boarded up. 
everything. I mean, yeah. it was another level of just fucked America. And yeah. the music that was coming out of there was so dynamic. It was so hardcore. And, like, I like punk rock and all kinds of music. I like jazz. I like music. You know, I'm not just a rap dude. I like music. And hip-hop culture and rap music is music. You know, like, so I like the, the realest of the real. And when I was going there in, like, 2000, 99, 2000, 2001, there was no comparison to that place. I mean, there's all kinds of places in, in America that are that have hit rock bottom, have had problems and all that. But, like, Gary, Indiana was a real special place. And the craziest shit was one of the times I went there, because usually I would just go, and, you know, it was 30 minutes. It wasn't a big deal. Like, I'd go from Chicago, go interview a bunch of people or grind family or whoever and uh, come back. But there was one time when I stayed a couple nights there because I really wanted to dig in and interview and photograph everybody. And uh, I stayed on the Trump uh, casino boat. There was literally a Trump casino boat docked on Lake Michigan at Gary, Indiana back in the day. And I thought, like, cause wow. there, you know, in Gary, Indiana, there wasn't like a Hilton there wasn't a Holiday Inn, you know, it was shit. So I was like, I'm going to stay on the Trump boat. Man, that fucking <laughs> thing was so gross. <laughs> like, like, I mean, like, way before all this. It was like, it was not a nice casino. It was not a, it was just smoke-filled, gross-ass. It was the weirdest. The, or, it was, the orange my, orange my experiences with Gary were, <laughs> yeah, dude, no, for real, man. My Gary experiences were so weird. So weird, but amazing, like, and like Rick Gilla from Hammond, Indiana. I fucking love Rick Gilla's music, man. You know that. Oh yeah. Uh, Real uh, uh, Dude, there was so much, man. Like, I can't even. Uh, finger roll. My brain is like saw. a. No, think exact. Um, thank you, finger roll. That's what I was about to say. Outside and all that, like Popeye. My um, my brain is like a library card catalog. It's not like Google. So you have to kind of <laughs> have to flip through all the things to get the names. Sometimes you're like I don't like hey, snap I'm right there with fast. you. Nah, because yeah, you know, you've been uh, around, well, man. You've been there's uh, so Dylan, many, and there's so many that come and gone. Who? Um, Freddie Gibbs. He he's one that lasted over the years. Because remember, we we were covering brother, him early in the Murder Dog. Brother, yeah. I was chatting Freddie Gibbs on AIM back in the day, man. Freddie Gibbs is one of those artists who actually still remembers and will shout me out. You know what I mean? Like. On the Ghetto Boys podcast, really D said to him, he's like, man, you know who first told me about you? He was like, who? He's like, Matt Sonzala. And he like paused for a second, like, wait, what? He was like, Matt, what? <laughs> you know, and he said, he was like, yeah, man, Matt was coming to Gary and he was in those rooms. He was out here, you know, and like with the gangsters. And like my memories of Gary are like, I mean, but I went all kinds of places like Miami, Pittsburgh. You know, Minneapolis was fucking crazy. Like, you wouldn't even think about Minneapolis like that, but there's an artist, a uh, producer called Tanqueray. Really dope, Tanqueray Lope. And his girlfriend was named Bombay, the gin family. But uh, he took me around, and he was like, man, I was setting up all these, like, because, you know, I would go and do 30, 40 interviews sometimes, or 20, 30, 40, you know, at these cities. And he was like, man, you brought together people that, would never speak to each other. And I was like, well, yeah. this is, you all are, you know, gang shit is gang shit, but this is the music and you're promoting, you're trying to get out of that, right? You know, you're trying to get to 
another level with his music and, and, and these guys took it seriously. Like he was like the people that came together when you were doing photos and doing this is like, I can't believe it. And like that sort of thing meant so much to me, man. It meant so much to me. Yeah. The shit that we did in South Carolina, because Murder Dog put out that South oh. Carolina double CD. Shout out to Mega The South Carolina trips I took. <laughs> What's that? I said shout out to uh, Mega Bucks down there, man. Um, oh, yeah, of course. He's, uh, he's one of the uh, guys down there. Wow, yeah, South Carolina is such a Geechee city. Um, it, mm. it has its own language. It's just a different vibe, man. Tell us about your experience down there. Well, Charleston is the Geechee city. You know, the rest of the state isn't totally like that. But it's not, not like that. But it's like when you go to Charleston, like you go to New Orleans, they're speaking a whole other language. And I actually went to New Orleans for Soldier Slim's funeral. Like, I didn't do the cover right. story on Soldier Slim, but but right when that out, that cover story came out, he was killed. So me and Alan Gordon went down. I did the photos, and he did the story. But, like, we went to his second line, his, his funeral, and met everybody. That was intense. Um, but South Carolina, man, it was basically Black Dog was like, man, I'm going to do a, a, a South Carolina compilation and we need to do a whole feature on South Carolina, so I need you to go interview everybody down there and photograph. And so I did Charleston, Columbia, Abbeville, Greenville, Greenwood. Like I, I flew in, I think the best, from what I remember, I think the best situation flight-wise was flying into Raleigh, North Carolina, and I rented a car. And I went down to Greenwood, not even Greenville, which is bigger, but Greenwood was my first stop with Native Wood and their whole crew. And this city was like a down south, like, it wasn't like, it wasn't a trailer park by any means, but it was like small town down south shit, you know? And I linked up with all these incredible artists down there in this little place that no one ever heard of. Native Woods is fucking dope. They were amazing. And they took me around and I met all these people and I left them and I went to Abbeville. I went to... I mean, like I said, my brain's not that... I, mean, I went to a few places. But of course, Columbia and uh, Charleston. In Columbia, man, I had a thing where I was just like, I didn't have that much time to be there, but there were so many artists that I wanted to try to meet and cover. And we set up a thing where I was just like, look, be at this park. Somebody, somebody in Columbia told me this is what we should do. You know, like just have everybody meet here, meet at this park in like the middle of the city. And then everybody will just be there and you can just cha cha cha, like shoot the photos of everybody right there. And worst case scenario, you know, I could do phone interviews later, but I had to get the photo, you know. So I didn't have to get, like, every interview right that moment, but I had to get photos of everybody. And I was like, okay, come to this park. We're going to do this. When I say, you know, everybody has honorages and all that. When I say 200-some people were just kind of milling around, hanging out, waiting for me to photograph them, that's no exaggeration. And we kind of were like finding different backgrounds for everybody. And like halfway through it, the police came and I'm like, oh. you know, I mean, I'm a white dude, you know, I'm the only white dude there and they show up and 
everybody's kind of like, oh, man, it's photo. And I was like, just ran up right immediately. I was like, hey, man, I'm a photographer. I'm with the magazine. I, was, I probably said the source. I'm not going to lie. I didn't want to say murder. <laughs> I was like, I'm with all the source <laughs> magazine or some, some I'm serious. I'm not lying. Like I said something else. Cause I didn't never, there was a lot of times where I said another magazine name cause I didn't want to say murder dog to mainstream people. You know, I, 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 like, I should have done that a few times. I straight up told the murder dog, <laughs> what the hell kind of magazine is that? <laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. You're smart, man. Nah. <laughs> well, I kind of, this was like, I don't want to get any shit for murder dog, but I was like, Hey man, no. Listen, yeah. there's no one fighting here. No one, nothing's happening. Yeah, there's a lot of people in the park. Nothing's happening, right? So what? Stay here if you want to protect the situation or something. If you got to, nothing happened. Somebody just called and said there's a bunch of black people in the park. Obviously, you know, in in yeah, Colombia, and, and we were fine. We, yeah, exactly. We did the photos and everything was fine. And then Charleston, man, these dudes. Man, they took me to places like oh, man, I can't. Most people will not experience like backwoods, like in the city too. Because Charleston's a city, like it was dope, you know. It was, but it was in the hood and all that. But like, I was going into some, like, like I was saying, the not a trailer park. I went into a place that was like not a trailer park, but it was like abandoned trailers, like with no power. No, like I was in the weirdest shit, you know, seeing just crazy America, man. For murder dogs. Yeah, and you got you got to see a lot of stuff. Um yeah, incredible. And, and different regions, you know, different styles, you know. Um that South Carolina compilation was hard, man. I really enjoyed that. Um Blood Rush was uh for those of you who don't know, Blood Rush was the label that uh Murder Dog had to distribute. I mean, they're actually gonna put out artists too, but they start out with compilations. And unfortunately, that's where it ended. I think they put out, what, South Carolina, Kansas City, and the best of the best, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was artists. I dealt with the Kansas City stuff, there. too. Yeah, yeah. Kansas City. That, I, I, that, now that was a weird compilation. I loved it. It was dope as hell. But you had all these artists on there, like Don Juan, and then Tech Nine's on there just, just ripping anybody that ripped him in the past, you know? Uh, I thought, man, why mm-hmm. why put a diss track? This is about unity. But it was hard. <laughs> you almost had to put it on Young there. Young Kev, guess. man, like all that stuff. Don Juan's the shit, man, please. And, uh, oh, yeah. Bell Bacardi. Yes. You know? yes. So I'm out in Kansas City, and I'm sitting in a park looking at this huge, like, Charlie Parker head statue. It's like there's a park there that's got a, a statue of, like, a, just his face, like a big head of Charlie Parker you know, the godfather of bebop, you know, of jazz, you know, and like, and, uh, man, that was quite an experience, quite an experience going to Kansas City, man, like, because that's what I say all the time, people are like, how how did you get into rap, how did you, I'm like, I like music, you know, so to be in a place like Kansas City, where it's like, that's the, man, America for all its faults and fucked up things, man, you can't front on jazz, blues, and hip hop, <laughs> and rock and roll. You know, like yeah. it's the birthplace of the realest music of modern times, hands down. And like Kansas City, birthplace; New Orleans, birthplace; Mississippi, yeah. birthplace. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, and to be able to go to these places and see the results. What's that? Like Fats Domino before he passed. You know? uh, Yeah, of course. You know, I I remember in Hurricane Katrina, he was on the roof of his house. Um, They rescued him, but he lost a lot of his gold plaques, unfortunately. That was devastating for him because, I mean, that dude was so influential. Um, yeah, man. Invented, invented the shit. So many different styles of music. You know, you you got to uh, love music as a whole. I mean, it's the universal language. Black Dog, he, he would put, like, fucking drummers, you know, from tribes in the magazine and all kinds of different mm-hmm. stuff. That's what I think separated Murder Dog from a lot of these other publications is we were willing to go in different directions at times, you know. Very much so, man. And Black Dog recognized all that. He comes from, like, punk rock and all that stuff, too. Like, he's older than us. He was around in, like, this era where, you know, have you checked out, like, Glorious Din, his early band? White Front, Glorious Din. Yeah, yeah, he well, he came yeah, to Iowa exactly. from Sri Lanka, I believe, and then yep. went to college and got in a band and traveled the traveled the country, I believe, with like Faith No More and yep. Courtney Love before yep. she got with Hole and all that. Yeah, that's wild, ain't it? It's that wild, trip. man. When I learned that because because back in the day when I would talk to him about music when we were at Murder Dog, he he wouldn't tell me. He told me he had a band, and it was like, I didn't know his name was, I didn't, anything. Like, I didn't know how to find, like, I was trying to Google to figure out what he was talking about. Like, what was Black Dog Bones' early band, man? And I couldn't find it. And then later it all came out. There's people that reissued those records. It's dope. But what I want to find, I want to talk to Mary Downs, his ex-wife. Like, she was the business. (laughs) She She handled the the business of that bag. Not to cut mm-hmm. you off, but you remember when he went to uh, Sri Lanka and Africa for a while? He kind of left her mm-hmm. to handle the thing, and and like people like myself and you and Soren and other writers were um, picking up, you know, w- where he was gone, you know, because he contributed a lot, you know. So when he, he left, man, she in the beginning he did everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and when when he left, she had to handle all that. But yeah, she kept that magazine running just as much as he did. I mean, uh, it wouldn't have existed without Mary. Shout out to Mary, man. We got to talk to her. I'd love to have her on the show. I'd also, Matt, I'd love to do a murder dog roundtable at some point. Um, yeah, that'd be dope. Get a bunch of us together and just reminisce about the magazine because it was a twenty-year publication. People forget. It actually competed with Double XL and the Source for a couple of years. We were in the FYEs and the Coconuts and all these stores, you know, um, and it, it was amazing because, we, <laughs> by all rights, we shouldn't have been. I remember when we first tried to get uh, distribution in the uh, late '90s, early 2000s, and um, remember we had the Freak of the Month ad every every issue from Doomsday Productions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that ad. That ad cost us distribution because it was just so gutter. I mean, the the woman was naked in the ad. The, I mean, the language. I mean, it was just crazy. And they're like, uh, I think it was Big Top Publishing at the time. They're like, you you can't do this ad um, and expect this distribution. And you got to ease up on the guns a little bit. You know, we always had guns yeah. on the cover, as you know. 
So that those were two things that kind of kept us out of the market. But once we broke through a little bit, man, we were right up there, man. Jay-Z, Nas, a lot of those guys wanted and requested to be on our magazine cover. So it was an amazing time. I mean, sure. that's just how it is. Like, it's, you know, there's nothing that compares to how real Murder Dog was. This is before the blogs. This is before people could independently put their stuff out there. I mean, I'm a fanzine guy forever. Like, I'm a zine dude. And so yeah. there were tons of zines and stuff. But what Murder Dog did to break through was incredible, man. And it's like, look, man, those first issues that, you know, most people don't have or didn't even see. Man, I'm sorry, but DJ Screw was probably selling more than Jay-Z at the time. Master yeah. P was probably selling more than Jay-Z at the time. You know what I mean? Like, for real. Like, these guys, that's where it all exploded, and that's where things started to change, when the industry finally understood that, like, these independent powerhouses in the South and in the Midwest and on the West, but especially, I think, I mean, on the West and the South, but the South was what, you know, uh, no limit in cash money changed the world in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? When they oh, yeah. their popularity just really peaked, peaked. Now, there's probably labels and, and artists that you and I love more than anybody that was on any of those labels. But the reality is, man, Murder Dog was covering, and 4082 and things like that, but, like, Murder Dog went right to the Calio. You know, they went right to the Magnolia. Uh, Black Dog, yeah. not they, Black Dog. <laughs> you know what I mean? Went right there with his camera, and he's like Sri Lankan little little dude. Like, hey, guys. You know? He had it's J.D. Like, Walker know, it, it was like, around Chicago. Man. You know? Uh, and J.D. Walker was pissed at me at one point. Oh. He was JD off his square with me. Well, I mean, oh, I did an interview with him, and the interview that, that got printed in Murder Dog wasn't the big feature that he thought it was going to be. It was like a smaller thing. He's like, man, what the fuck is this? He's like, he called me and cussed me out. I was like, now I'm like, hey, dude, I turned in what I turned in, man. This is what it came out to. Don't trip on me. Yeah, he was mad. That's so well, funny you mentioned J.D. You know, Walker. Necro was uh, always mad at me because, uh, you know, I, I liked his, his flow and his rhymes. He was dope. And uh, I wanted to get him in the magazine. I wanted to review his albums. I think he bought an ad or two, but Black Dog just just wasn't having it. I think I reviewed the same album three times, and he just never printed it. Man, I, Necro, I, I interviewed Necro. Fuck, you know? I interviewed Necro for Murder Dog, and it never came out. Yeah, and he wasn't happy about that either. Yeah, yeah, we did a lot of reviews, and even sometimes interviews. I did a hell of an interview with Busy Bone. I still got it audio. I released a little bit of it, but. Um, it never got printed, you know. It's like, what the fuck? This is dope content right here, you know. But Black Dog, man, that was the magazine want. game. Yeah, that was the magazine game. My Miami shit didn't come out, man. I photographed and interviewed. I interviewed Rick Ross before he had a fucking tape. Yeah, I, Deuce Poppy was like, man, you need to talk to this dude, man. He's yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, sure. And I did like an interview with Rick Ross. I still have it on cassette, man. It didn't come out. I did photo T Pain when he was in the Nappy Head came down from I don't know if they were from Orlando or they were from another city in Miami and in, in Florida and came down to Miami when I was there and I did photos of them in like a weird like alleyway. That you know, that sort of thing. Like I did everyone 
in Miami. Like I went in so hard in Miami and that shit didn't come out. And I was like, yo, why, what, what happened? But I think basically what would happen with, with, with what I was doing with the cities was someone would, you know, cause you can't print 40 pages of a magazine for nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's not free. So I think probably some hustler was like, yeah, man, I'm going to buy these ads. I'm going to do this. So Black Tie was like, okay, I'm going to send Matt down there to do this interview and these, these interviews and these photos. And once these ads, you know, they buy the ads, that's going to make, you know, it's going to make it all work. And I think probably those things fell through with Miami. I went to fucking Honolulu for Murder Dog. I went to Hawaii and interviewed the Humanakas and all these fucking amazing artists wow. in Hawaii. I had the most insane trip. It was so beautiful. Like, I got to, that's the only time I've been to Hawaii. You know what I'm saying? I went for Murder Dog, and it didn't come you out. You went to Hawaii for Murder It never came out? Wow. That's amazing. No. Hey, at least you got to go to Hawaii, though. Shit. Nah, man, I got to go, but it was, like, probably because the ads didn't come through or whatever. I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought, I never put that together because that that would happen frequently. I mean, not just with him. I wrote for other magazines, same scenario. Um you know, it just wouldn't come through. Like, uh, like Streetmasters, um, I wrote for them from 2003 till they closed up in 2008, and um, we all did it. Me, the graphic artist, the editor, we didn't hear from the owner for like weeks. Next thing you know, I'm getting calls from people. Hey, I purchased the cover, and I'm the, where's my issue? And I'm like, hey man, yeah. I didn't even get paid for my work. I don't know where the guy is. You know, I mean. Unfortunately, you know, but Black Dog, I got to give him credit, lasted 20 years. That's amazing. No, you can't take anything away from Murder Dog. And it is, I mean, to be honest, I can't take anything away from what I just said. It's like, yeah, he sent me out there. We did all this shit. And then the people who were supposed to make it happen, I mean, he wasn't, this wasn't just straight up pay to play. Like, they, Black Dog didn't get super rich off Murder Dog, you know. He went and did it Black Dog, I mean, Murder Dog was a genuine situation from start to finish, hands down. So, But it was like, look, man, like I said, I would do, dude, I want to find Mary Downs because back in the day, Black Dog, you know, this is before digital cameras, by the way, and he would want me to shoot like an entire role at least of every group, every artist. And these are people like no one's ever heard of before in their life. You know what I mean? This isn't going to shoot a bunch of photos of Scarface. This was like some dude in Columbia, South Carolina. And yeah. so if I shot a whole roll, 36 photos of somebody on slide film, to get them developed at a decent place, it would be 15, 20 bucks at least for that role, right? And I would have, I'd sometimes, sometimes, some cities I'd come back with 40 rolls of film. Easy. And I couldn't just pay for that. Like, I wasn't just going to do that and wait for him to reimburse me. Like, he'd just say, just overnight me all the, the film and I'll develop it and I'll do that. So he spent the money on that. He spent the money on the, the shipping and the film and the processing. But consequently, I don't have a lot of those photos, which just kills me, man. I don't have those Rick Ross photos. I don't have those T-Pain photos. You know, I wish I did. But the uh, the fact of the matter is, like, they spent the money to make it happen, and then 
obviously something happened to where they couldn't just print all that, you know. Yeah. That um, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff goes on behind the scenes or whatever. Like you said, someone might not have came through. Um, but yeah, the uh, Black Dog. I mean, and Mary, they really uh, took care of a lot of things, man. It was weird when he was gone, though. Like I said, he was gone for a little bit, and and um, we had to keep it going. And and it was actually during the height of the magazine too. And then he came it back and height. started. Yeah, he came back, and and that's when he started putting like different symbols in there, and he changed a lot of the names up in there. Like uh, I was looking for um, reviews, I knew I did, and I'm like, who's Uba Luba? <laughs> Who the fuck is this? Guy? No, he called me Uba the Rot Porog for my chameleonary interview, and I was about to snap, snap on him. I was like, dude, why did you, my fucking, <laughs> why did you change my name on the chameleonary interview, man? Well, Seriously, yeah, he did. That's he all we have is our byline. Yeah. Yeah, no, that did make me mad. That part made me mad. But then it was also amazing when he came back from Sri Lanka, he had interviews with all these Sri Lankan rappers. Yeah. You know, he had, like, that's that's the shit to me. Because when I did the radio in Houston, Damage Control, I mean, I'm telling you, when I say most of our, you know, Murder Dog sent magazines to prisoners for free, like people in prison all over the place. And one of the reasons... I kept doing the show in Houston was I knew most of our listeners were in prison. You know, like the average Houstonian, there were people who listened to us, but man, more people probably listened to us in Europe than listened to us in Houston, just average people. You know what I mean? Like, and we were playing just straight underground, brand new music, but the people who were incarcerated and the only thing they had for media was a little radio that they could get. You know, if they were lucky, they were able to buy this little radio for their little cell. That's who listened to us, man. And uh, that was so important to me, man, to be that portal to people who couldn't get it any other way. Murder Dog, KPFT, Independent Radio, those sort of things. Like, that was so important back then, before the Internet, before all this other shit, cell phones. That was the portal to what was really going down in places that didn't have any attention. Like Houston, the fourth largest city in America, like the, you know, screw was big before any, you know, you knew, but most people didn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, but he was big underground, big before he became a household name. He became a household name way after he died. You know what I mean? So it was like, to me, it was so important to like promote, and pump up. It was really going down around the world, but especially around the country in these places, man, like the major labels and the major magazines, God, it, you know, talk about pay to play, pay to everything, man, like it's a joke. It's just a joke, man, when it's like the artists in Jackson, Mississippi are just as important as the artists in Brooklyn. You know yeah, what I mean? 100%. Just as important as LA, you know, K Reno's better than anybody. You know what I mean? It is what it is. Seven albums in a day, man. You can't beat that. You know? No, support the real, man. Like, so that was, you know, being a part of Murder Dog was so important to me. Yeah. It was a, it was a chance to show, like you said, to showcase these guys that never had those bigger avenues and, and 
opportunities. Like when I first saw Murder Dog and I saw Sibo in there, I was like, holy shit, these are the people that I, I'm listening to right now. Because I was one of those guys that go to the record store and if the cover popped out at me, I remember getting booming words from hell by Esham. You know, I saw this dude in the mm-hmm. hood with flames everywhere. I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. Shit, one of the best shots I ever did. Because that was a hell of an album yep. right there. You know, and same thing with a lot of other underground artists. But, yeah, I think uh, our reviews, too, um, really helped, you know, um, get a lot of people to be able to put food on the table for themselves, get recognized in different countries and regions that they weren't before. And that's my favorite part about it, man, knowing that we help feed families. We help feed kids, you know. It doesn't get more better than that. As a father, nah, myself, man, and foster you know. great art. Yeah, me too. Yeah, fostering great art, and like, you know, the crazy shit is, my first street, quote unquote, street team experience was um, for Ishan, and that was it had him in ninety, maybe ninety one. I don't remember what album, but I still have the glow in the dark, the black T-shirt with the glow in the dark print with the devil on the front and six 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 on yeah, the back. Yeah, the like, it's like Earth, I think. Closed casket. Yeah, man. And his brother yeah. was James Smith. Yep. And if you know, you know James Prince, Jay Prince is James Smith, but that's a different person. Like in the Detroit, James Smith. I don't even know how that happened, how we connected, but. He was like, man, I want to promote this in Texas. And I was like, okay, send it to me. And I, I basically, I didn't do much. Like, I passed it around, took it to some record stores, and everybody was like, get the Satan shit out of here. <laughs> like, it didn't really work out as a street team thing, but I was, this was my first, like, experience. Getting, like, a box full of 12 inches, a couple T-shirts, a million stickers. You know what I mean? And part of me that also was, was like, like, I don't want to put a bunch of 666 speakers, stickers everywhere, you know, but, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my first one. That Eshan. was my first piece in Murder Dog was doing the Eshan discography. And um, around that same wow. time you're talking about, I got that. I don't have it no more. But James sent me that same shirt, the posters. I mean, it, it, every time I'd order something out of their catalog, yep. he'd always send me something free. And then Big mm-hmm. Time, I want to say rest in peace, Russell, Big Time, Washington. He was another one uh, who would do that, too. You would order a tape or two from him, he'd throw in something for free every time. Man. You know? Man, rest in peace to Russell Washington, for sure, because Big Time Records was a huge deal. And that guy, man, not only because I lived in Houston for so long. My dad moved to Houston when I was eight, you know, and uh, – the, the King's Flea Market, I lived at, like, I lived at Holly Hall in Almeida, basically, which was not Third Ward or South. It was basically a pretty basic neighborhood of apartments and stuff, but just south of Third Ward and north of the quote-unquote south side, it was right one block inside the Loop 610, basically. But uh, King's Flea Market is where I came up, and like, buying tapes and stuff, and not even knowing that Russell was who he was when I was young, young, you know what I mean? Like, and what he did for the music down there was so incredible. And to see in 2023, Bundy with his trail burgers and the things that he's doing, the the rodeo selling 75,000 tickets two years in a row. Like that started with big time records, giving UGK a chance. 
and UGK, you know, pushing them onto the radio, doing whatever it took, who knows, you know, to get them onto this, like, pump it or dump it type. I don't remember what it was called, but it was like people could call in and, and vote for their favorite song. They'd have battles every night and tell me something good won. And when I say back whenever Tell Me, I don't know, whatever year it was, 92, whatever, when Tell Me Something Good came out, I was so sick of that song, as amazing as it is, and as much as I love UGK. Like, they played it so much everywhere you went. Mind playing tricks and Tell Me Something Good. Non-stop, man. Like, man, he built, like, this huge legacy, you know, Russell. And it's just like, he's one of those guys you have to always mention, man. I appreciate you mentioning him because it's so important. So important, the legacy, man. Where we're at right now. You know what I mean? Like, where we're at right now with what music is and how big, you know, Bun B is now, man. Thank God Bun B is still around and how big he's become as far as, like, a beyond rap. Man, those are the oh, stories yeah, that, that make me happy. You know what I mean? Yeah. What's that? I think he's a professor, if I'm not mistaken, Bun B. I mean, he's... Uh, yeah, he was doing a religion course with somebody at Christ University. But, yeah, man, I mean, he, his, 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 it's just a lot. Like, yeah. with the doors that were open from those early days, just incredible. Yeah, he, uh, he definitely... Um, you know, um, has come a long way. And shout out to Trill uh, Burgers too, man. They got their first building up there in Houston, I believe. Um, you know, it's on its way to being a chain all over the place. Um, oh, it's yeah, gonna happen man, uh, for sure. You uh, you mentioned radio. When did you get involved in radio, and, and what's the the pros and cons versus? what you do in a magazine versus, you know what I'm saying, what you do on the air. Like, uh, what do you like about each? What do you dislike about each, if anything? Oh, I like both a lot. I got on the radio. I've told this story a bunch of times, man, but, like, I was in high school, and I was always a record guy. Like, I wanted to buy vinyl, you know, buy records. And I knew these college guys. There's three guys, three white guys who – had a reggae show on uh, WERG in Erie. And one of the guys sold records. Like he had like a little side hustle where he sold records and stuff. And I knew all those guys just through the scene. It wasn't a big city, you know. And I remember being over at the guy's apartment. All three of them were there, and they had just been kicked off the air from WRG, which is a Catholic university, Gannon University. And But their show was Sunday nights from 10 to midnight, and they were just goofy. They talked a lot about smoking weed and ganja. You know, like, they were crazy, man. They got kicked off because they always just talked shit about ganja. And uh, I was sitting there. I was like, man, you got kicked off. That's messed up. Oh, shit, man. And I was like, man, I have a lot of reggae records. And I was 16, 15, 16, probably 16. I was like, I have a lot of reggae records for a 16-year-old. Man, I would love to do that show. I wish I could have that. And he's like, hey, man, call this the program director right now and just say what you just said to me. Say, hey, I'm mad. I have a lot of reggae records, and I'd like to get on. And I was like, man, 
they are not going to put me on. Are you crazy? There's no way they're going to put me on, man. And he's like, just call him, man. Call him. This guy, Tom Weber. And uh, so I just called him. I was like, hey, I'm uh, Matt, and um, I have a lot of reggae records, and I heard you got rid of the uh, reggae guys, and uh, uh, I'd like to take over that show if they're – he was like, you got a lot of reggae records? Like, yeah. He's like, all right, show starts at 10, be there at 9.45, and so-and-so, you know, Bill Cole, he was actually – there was a reggae show before that. It was an older dude who had a very proper reggae show. <laughs> He's like, the reggae man will show you how to use the board and just get, you know, just go ahead down there and do it. So I was like, what? Like, I never met the guy. Back then, you have to have, you used to have, a, have, to have an FCC license to get on the air, and I got one later, but I didn't have one when I started. I just showed up, and the guy was like, okay, do this, do that, da da <laughs> I just started my reggae show then. So when I got to Houston, my dad moved there when I was eight, like I said. So I was back and forth through the 80s. And when I graduated high school, I moved to Houston. And um, I met this guy, Rad Richards. He's a black punk rock guy. And he was always, like, the guy. He was on, like, the weird punk rock shows and stuff, and he was like, man, I want to start a rap show. Me and you, we could do a hip-hop show. This is 90. It was probably 91, and we got on in 92 at some point, or early 92 and got on later 92. But he was like, man, uh, let's put together a proposal and do all this, do all that. And I was like, okay, cool. And we put together the whole thing, and it took forever to the point where I was like, I'm going to leave. I'm moving. You know, and he was like, hey, man, KPFT is going to put us on. And so we got on from 3 a.m. to 5.30 a.m. Monday morning, Sunday night, Monday morning, for the, in the beginning. But then they gave us midnight to 5.30, not far after that. And we built this whole collective of people. We were playing everything from, like, I was definitely playing more stuff like East Coast and Freestyle Fellowship on the West Coast. But I also played K Reno and Ghetto Boys and Terrorists, you know, but mixing all that stuff. But uh, fast forward into the 2000s when I was in Chicago, I was like, we're moving back to Houston. And I was like, I'm getting back on the radio. I'm going to do this. We went to KPFT. And KPFT was in this whole state of flux because it was a very activist-oriented station where they were, you know, very politically motivated, all kinds of shit. And they became more of like a country station. And the city that would like really supported KVFT were pissed. So they were going through this huge transition, like trying to get rid of the station manager and all this stuff to make it more of a like, you know, KPFA, KPFK in California, uh, WGCI, these stations that are more like radical stations. Get back to um, a more community type station. And so I had people there that remembered my show from the early 90s. I said, I want to do this hip-hop show with my brother's in, rest in peace. And they brought, they, you know, we went through a lot of shit, but we got it, and we came back. And uh, compared, well, to go to your question, I was on an independent community station in Houston where Houston recognized that the FCC allows between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. You didn't have to censor the music. It went by community standards. So if you were in... Lily White, Lily Dale, America or something, maybe they wouldn't do this, but we're in Houston. There's no rules in Houston. So we were able to play raw, unedited music, have people come just freestyle live in the middle of the night, talk shit, do their thing, 
you could you could play it, but you couldn't say it. So I can say the stuff we're saying on this podcast, like fucking shit and all that. But in the songs, you could. So to compare it to working in the magazines and to that, man, I was underground radio and underground magazine, so it was very similar. It wasn't a big difference, and that's why, to answer your question, I never really tried to get with commercial radio because I can't imagine that, censoring the hell out of everything and just being a tool for the major labels. You know what I mean? Like, So I was fortunate in my radio experience to be able to just be kind of raw and real. And that's part of what made me come up in those days because when I was on KPFT in the early 2000s, that was the early days of internet radio. So people around the world would listen to us and we'd be on AIM, AOL Instant Messenger. We'd be on the message boards, the screwshop.com, chameleonair.com, downsouth.com. I can't even remember all the, you know, we'd have windows open of message boards and the, the chat thing, you know, and people from all over would be talk, 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 talk with us. You know, it was amazing. So that is yeah, the Magazines are cool because they get in people's hands and you can hold it and feel it. But that radio, especially when it hit the internet and people could actually fucking enter, you know, talk back and forth. Oh, man, that was amazing. Yeah, that was, man. I took mine overseas to WorldwideConnected.com. They were out of Sweden, I believe. And... um it was a blessing to be able to to reach people in, in different countries and different regions, and, uh, and do like you said, I, I had the, the freedom to do what I want. See, I was giving them snippets of, of upcoming interviews I was doing at Murder Dog, as well as you know songs from albums I was reviewing in upcoming issues. So it was kind of a way to promote the magazine as well, and I, I could do whatever I want. Didn't have to worry about anything. You know, um, I didn't have to play no paid uh, song for spins, you know, uh, some redundant trend-chasing, lamestream bullshit, you know. I could play, the like you said, the K-Renos, the Eshams, stuff like that. But, um, Matt, this yeah. is a, a hell of a show. I want to bring on, before we uh, get out of here, I'm, I want to make sure I give you the floor, but... I want to bring on uh, uh, the French Connection. This is the homie DJ Lord Sinister from France. He um, Lord Sinister. He used, to dist- he used to distribute Murder Dog in France uh, for us over there. Man. How you doing, Sin? Sin, you there? You've- Did we lose you? The French Connection oh, no. is, is. I want to talk here. to Lord Sinister for sure, man. Shit. Yeah, yeah, me too. He should be, uh, you know, we'll come back to him. I'll tell you what we could do. We could go to his The overseas stuff is really important to me. It is because um, these guys, uh, a lot of these guys literally learned how to speak English from from gangster rap, you know what I mean? They just love it so much and appreciate it. Um, You know, I booked them to do Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Matt. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I mean, go ahead, but I was going to say, I booked Devin the Dude, K-Reno. I mean, K-Reno did his own thing, but Killer Mike, Willie D, lots of artists overseas, and, like, to the response, man, it's so amazing, man, to see, you know, go to another country. Like, I'll, 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 if you want to talk about that after the song, we can talk about a little something overseas. I can tell you my first time in Norway and, uh, like, kind of cool shit. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um 
We're going to go to this one here. We were talking a little bit about South Carolina. This is uh, you, you probably photographed and interviewed these guys. This is uh, I Ain't Scared Island Gorillas. Um, oh, I know the Island Gorillas. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, I was going to say Hell you yeah. had to have met them and and interviewed them and everything, man. Uh, but they were on the, uh, the South Carolina Murder Dog compilation. We'll be right back with Matt Sanzala. Don't go nowhere. Got my hand on the wheel, got my foot on the gas, got my clock in my lap, loaded and ready to flash. You don't want to see the fever, no peeping in black and see mad. Cause you gon' meet the reaper if I am receiving my cash. I only grind the streets, we grinding every day. Hustling, kidnapping, and jacking shit, whatever pay. Packing the paper, stacking until I see a better way. Any means necessary, gotta get this chair to race. Even the crime scene, nothing to investigate. Take a look and car shot. In a murder race, got stuck on the cancer shell. I don't need a murder case to make the brain out. Find a destination for the case. Bitch, what you think? I'm a bitch. I'm scared of you, motherfucker. My gun on my hip. I'm scared of you, motherfucker. You talking that shit? I'm scared of you, motherfucker. I'm gonna empty the clip. I'm scared of you, motherfucker. East Coast running. I'm scared of you, motherfucker. West Coast running. I'm scared of you, motherfucker. I'm alone in the streets, we control it You don't wanna see me with the palm Just exploring it, empty and reloading it Ripping your chest open, bitch Tell me, is that really what you want? We rip rapping, yip yapping and lip rapping We grip maddie, click clack them and shit bag them My click mashing on bitch asses to get tragic So start static and get gassed my click acting My motherfucking donkey like my lord nigga Marley Not a nigga can harm me Murder Master Music Show. We're back here. 
episode 941. We got, you know what I'm saying, the homie Matt Sanzala, music journalist, radio show host. You name it, he's done it. He definitely contributed to the game, man. Uh, thank you for your many years of supporting, uh, thank you. you know what I'm saying, hip-hop. Um, man, thank you. Know, I'm so happy to talk to you about this stuff because you are the man, like, from... Like I said, before I was at Murder Dog, before any of that, like you were the one who was like, Man, you need to check this shit out. You know, <laughs> for real. I, I and appreciate hearing that, that song hearing them gorillas, man, that was like that's a that's a uh, you brought back some memories. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's some that's some hardcore stuff right there, man. Love them guys, man. Um we do have the the French connection, DJ Lord Sinister. You there, brother? Yes, yes, sir. Hi Scott and uh Hi, Matt, and uh, thanks for all your contributions for for Mother Dog, and uh, you did a, a, a good job. And uh, also, Scott, a.k.a. Lord, Buddha, yeah, a.k.a. Buddha Man. Oh, <laughs> you got so, man, so many know. alias. Buddha <laughs> yeah, Man, right? dead, man. I don't know where that guy is. Buddha Man is right here on yeah. the line, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what city? What city are you in, Lord Sinister? What city are you in? Oh, I'm born and raised in Paris, but uh, I'm in southwest France in Toulouse, Toulouse, France. Toulouse, no. beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So uh, in, in France, I, uh, I distributed Middle Dog uh, around 2006, 2000 to 2008. Uh, and we have uh, Murder Dog advertising in a French hip hop magazine who was called uh, Rap US Magazine. And uh, at the yep. time we were in deal with uh, Black Dawn and Mary Downs because Rap US was under Groove Magazine, in fact. So uh, it was good to to distribute uh, Murder Dog in France. Um, but uh, few people know about it in France, so we have to do it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, know. like, that French hip hop was, I mean, second only to America, to be honest. Like, your all scene over there was for sure. Yeah. You know, the UK hip hop was huge. There's hip hop everywhere in the world, but a scene in France was crazy, man. Like, you know, I, like I said, I was telling um, Scott that my brain is more like a a card catalog at the library than Google. It's smaller. It's it's a lot slower. But um, I mean, Supreme NTM was a big deal. Yeah. You know, friend- y'all were listening. Y'all were listening to French. You know, rap over there yeah. more than you were listening to what was coming from here. I think you loved what was coming from here. It was influenced by American hip hop, but French hip hop was a thing. Thing like you had your own yeah. scene. Like I mean. You know, in court, right. you know, Gangstar brought out MC Solar, uh, yeah. and I'm, I'm really NTM. If I was, <laughs> no NTM, fuck your mother was the shit. <laughs> you know, yes sir, yes sir. <laughs> have a, own song. But I remember yeah. uh, there's some letters in Mother Dog, and I, and a uh, uh, guy who I distributed Mother Dog was. Uh, Writing letter, and uh, he said uh, he was called Smooth Smooth Operator, and uh, he said in 2001, yeah. I think, uh, that uh, uh, the French uh, the French hip hop was uh, number two in the world selling after USA. 
So we was uh, we have a lot of magazines down here, but now yeah, yeah, we have a lot. But yes, no, but no was for, for me was voices of bossless, uh, especially when you live the in the cover of uh, Denver, Colorado, Milwaukee, or also also in Alaska with the Zainin. <laughs> and uh Joe Bonds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Rest in peace, yeah. Bondsman passed away. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I didn't even know that, man. Rest in I peace. Man, I'd hate to be wrong about that, but yes, he, yeah, he died. <laughs> Joker the Bale Bondsman died. Yeah, yeah. That's the I remember me. also That's the hardest. Not to cut you off, this is the hardest part no, no, no. for me is uh, we build relationships with a lot of these these artists, like us over here at the show. Uh, DJ Ready Red, he was a, he was a good friend, Fresh Kid Ice, Bushwick, uh, and just over the years knowing these people, and it's always hard when they die. You know what I'm saying? It's always hard. actually man, another man, one was I'm just looking, Tobin I just... Costin. Rest in peace to Tobin Costin. Um, yeah, rest in peace. Right. First of all, it must be. I'm looking at um, Google right now, and why do I think that? Because all the articles are from 2016 and stuff, but, like, his Wikipedia does not say that he's passed. So maybe he – why do I think that, man? I feel like I heard that he passed. It's, well, you know what it is, man. Hmm. There's just so many. You know, yeah. um, every day we're losing somebody, and uh, yeah. you know that's that's the hard part. I remember we got hit back to back. I mean, in seventeen it was Fresh Kid Ice, in eighteen it was Ready Red, in nineteen it was Bushwick. I mean, uh, I mean we got hit with a lot more than that. But I mean, those were the guys that you know we we had them on the show like frequently. They were just good mm-hmm. people. You know, did you know? Let me ask you this: Did you, uh, being in Houston, do you have any Bushwick Bill stories? <laughs> How much time do you have? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, of course I do. Um, hold on, I'm, I'm actually like tripping out about this whole. All right, never mind. We're gonna. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I feel like I knew, I heard about Joker the Bale Bondsman dying, and I could be wrong. I don't want to be totally wrong. But, um, man, Bushwick Bill, man, first of all, my walk into Houston hip-hop, you know, being a, a fan and going to the clubs and things by myself, like when I first moved to Houston in 1989, I had been going there every summer, and and a bit more, you know, to visit my father from 1980. But 1989, I moved there, and I didn't really have friends. I didn't know people there, like, until I started school in the beginning of 1990. And I would put on the radio, and there'd be, like, all these ads, like, the Ghetto Boys tonight, 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 Ghetto Boys tonight at this club, this club. And I was like, man, how can I just go? I can't just go to you know, be like the north side or the south side. I was like, I can't just go to this place by myself, man. I don't know this place. I don't know anyone, you know. And one night I was like, man, 
I'm going. I'm going to see the Ghetto Boys. Are you fucking kidding me? I go to these punk rock shows in Houston that are in the middle of, like, warehouse city, like, dogs running in the street, like, totally fucked up parts of the city, you know? I was like, I'm going to go to this show. And I went, and I was fooled by the radio many times because nothing happened until pretty much two. But they would act like it was all happening. So I was like, 10 o'clock, I went to this thing, and I was, like, one of the only people in the venue. And then all of a sudden it filled up. Everyone's dancing, party, and I wasn't 21, so I couldn't even drink. And I was just there, you know, waiting, 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 waiting. And then finally they came on, you know, and I'd see the show. And that was pretty much how it went a lot of the time back then. And so I was really into, like, the Houston hip-hop scene because no matter who was performing, there'd be three or four, you know, Houston artists opening up. So I saw all those early rap lot artists. I saw all the early you know, less money, whoever, you know, like back in the day. And but for the Ghetto Boys, I was taking an audio engineering class. And the teacher one day just came up to me and was like, hey, man, do you like rap? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, I got this group coming to record in my studio called the Ghetto Boys, and I need somebody to just kind of be there and make sure everything's cool, you know, just like, an, you know, I interned for this, this studio. And that was my, like, intro to, like, the Houston community, besides just being at the club and standing in the back corner just waiting for the show to start, you know. Then I became the dude who was basically standing in the corner of the studio watching the Ghetto Boys record We Can't Be Stopped. And Jay Prince was there, 3-2 was there, you know, Beto, Doug King, all those producers, everybody was there, man. This was, like, major. And uh, I got to see that, and I got to see, you know, the Ghetto Boys were almost never in the studio together. Bushwick had a part to record. He was there. Willie D had a part to record. He was there. Face had a part. He was there. But they were rarely there together. And it was only like when Jay would make them all be there at the same time for like a meeting or something. Like I got to watch all this shit, you know. So early on I got to see that. But my funniest, I have a lot of Bushwick stories, by the way. But a funny one <laughs> He would always be at South by Southwest, right, for years. 1994, if you look at my YouTube, my name is Pusher Mania on YouTube. If you look at that, I have the Black Monks from South by Southwest 1994 when people didn't even think hip-hop was there, but it was. And uh, there was a, a public access television show, like that day or the next day, where they interviewed, yeah, it was the next day probably, where they interviewed artists and stuff, and the Black Monks were there, and uh, Bushwick went with them. Bushwick was there for the show, and then he was there just kind of hanging out at the uh, at that thing. And so he, his his history with Austin and South by Southwest is, is, is long. Fast forward 2008 or nine, somewhere in there, 10 maybe. And I had a showcase that was like Dizzy Rascal from the U.K., who I actually did a story on in Murder Dog as well. He was incredible. But he was on tour with LP, white rapper from New York, from Brooklyn, who had that group company Flow back in the day. And it was it was Dizzy Rascal, LP, Devin the Dude was on that show. Uh, the New Ham Generals from England was on that show. It was a crazy just fucking showcase, just fucking crazy. And LP comes up to me, Bushwick was just there hanging out, being Bushwick. And LP comes up to me and goes, 
hey, man, this is crazy. Bushwick said he wants to introduce me. I can't believe it. Bushwick Bill is here, man. He's going to introduce my set. And I was like, okay, well, just like give me a nod or something when you need me to come get him off the stage. He's like, what? And I was just, just, you know, I'll be over on the side. Kind of, you know, when you're ready for him to stop, just give me that look and I'll come get him for you. And uh, he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, just, just, just wait, you know. And, man, it was time for LP to perform. And Bushwick, who for sure never, ever heard an LP or Company Flow song ever in his life, hands down, for sure. But Bushwick gets up and like, I ride down, you know, like, and it went on and on. And I just kind of stood off to the side of the stage, and I was looking, I was waiting for LP. He's like, oh, shit, can you? And I was like, yes, I told you. I was like, all right, Bushwick, come on, man, come on. He's like, and mind you, I just told you I was in the studio with him in 1990, 91. I have known these dudes. And in fairness for Bushwick, Willie D and Scarface never acknowledged me in the studio or outside the studio around that time. Bushwick, every time, he's like, what's up, Matt? He was the only one back, back in the day when I was a teenager. And uh, <laughs> that night, man, he's like, South by Southwest guys telling me to get off the stage, man. Oh, man, South by Southwest, man. Okay, South by Southwest, man. I'll get off the stage, South by Southwest, man. And I'm like, <laughs> hey, man, you're in, you know what I mean? Like, we got this, get him on, man. No, that shit was fucking funny. Like, it was so funny. And I, I told Elle before, and I was like, okay, just let me know when I need to take care of it, because he ain't, he ain't just going to be like, all right, everyone, LP. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, it was crazy and hilarious for me. Oh yeah, Bushwick man, long live Bushwick and shout out to his son man, uh, young No hey, Bushwick. He's doing his thing. Um, hey man, all these fucking, with all due respect to everyone who's ever passed, especially DJ Screw and all this, all these fucking DJ Screw murals and DJ Screw this and DJ Screw that. Important, amazing. The greatest. Any of you motherfuckers that are not giving up the Bushwick Bill? What yeah. would the Ghetto Boys be without a dwarf crazy person in the group? The greatest rapper of all time, Scarface, and one of my favorite rappers of all time, Willie D. Like, I love the Ghetto Boys. They when just, it comes to the Ghetto Boys, I actually so like Willie D the best. But if they yeah. didn't have that crazy hook, if they didn't have Bushwick Bill... That made Houston. The Ghetto Boys made Houston a thing. Would they have made Houston a thing if they didn't have that hook? Bushwick. I don't care who wrote the rhymes. I don't care whatever. Bushwick was extremely important. Extremely important to that shit. And he didn't get shit because he was also fucking crazy. He also... Rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Did things, this and that, da 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 Above and beyond any of that, musically, artistically, and culturally, Bushwick Bill is important. Extremely important. We, uh... Yes. Like, I think it was like episode we lost, 400. We lost... We, we had uh, Bushwick we, Bill on here with DJ Paul. They were arguing about tight pants. And DJ Paul just started <laughs> chanting out of nowhere, Bushwick Bill in tight pants, Bushwick Bill in tight And it just went on and on and on. And then later, you know, things got back to normal. And then 
later on, Bushwick just started going, DJ Paul in tight pants, DJ Paul in tight I mean, it was just fucking hilarious. I got a clip on the YouTube. I got to send it to you. Um, right. Hell yeah. It was just, he was just a, a, a funny dude, man, but very, very intelligent. And, um, yeah, maybe a little crazy. <laughs> but... Uh, of course, extremely crazy, but crazy, crazy is fun. Yeah, but sorry about that. I know you got a question or two before we wrap up here. Um, you want to ask Matt, so uh, I'm going to give you the floor, sir. Uh, in fact, also, we, we sadly, we lost uh, AWOL and uh, Mr. Trito of Black Monks. Oh, yeah. Right. I remember I interviewed AWOL for a bit of a specific show, two hours interview. But, um, yeah, it's sad. And, uh, and yes, I, w- I would say also um, Black Dog was always ahead of his time because he came for uh, 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 Glorious Dean, uh, punk, punk Rock, and he go uh, with Auckland. He go to Auckland and uh, he go with Uru. Askari X, and then he discovered Young Boys from the first Metal Dog in '93 from Vallejo, and he, he was the first to put them in front, like he was the first to put in front uh, uh, Master P or Three Six, and uh, he, he, put, he put a lot of things, even all the the Pen and Pixel most underground covers were in Metal Dog at the time. Pen and Pixel. So, yep. Shout out to Sean uh, Broch, Pen and Pixel. Uh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. recently interviewed him too. Yeah, yeah and, 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 and Rap Rap Control Pro with X Raider was there around too. So uh, David Feldman too, who covered uh, Detroit Underground. So a lot of contribution team, for. Man. We had a great team. yeah. Writers from different regions, you know. It wasn't just right. uh, a couple of uh, dudes in an office, you know, vibing off each other together. No, it was people from everywhere, and I think that right. was, was something that helped the magazine, you know, really uh, take off. True. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, to be honest, what messed me up about rap music. What messed me up in a lot of ways and made me kind of step back from some of the stuff is like when regions started, it wasn't so regional anymore. And like people in Houston started sounding like Atlanta or people just all yeah. sound the same from everywhere. You know, it was just like, yo, that was so dope to pull up. Like you land in, in Memphis. Like I, cause I traveled a lot, you know, for murder dog and beyond, but for murder dog, like, you know, I'd land in Memphis. Like, like to start twisting the FM radio dial a bit and I'd find the station and that station would sound like Memphis, you know, or, you know, Jeff B in, in New Orleans or, you know, some of the people you weren't, you'd hear what was really going on in these cities and these regions, man. And like South Carolina was a whole different thing or Detroit was yeah. a different thing. Like I want to say like yeah. recently, Murder dog shit, like it's so crazy. Blade Icewood from the Street Lords, who was killed, his son found me on Instagram because I had that was another trip. The Detroit, the Detroit shit I did didn't even make it into Murder Dog because it was so, like whatever happened, man. I was in Detroit in like weather that was 
you know, uh, you know, four degrees Fahrenheit. You know, it was so fucking cold, man. I I did everyone. I was with it, everyone, but not Eminem. But like, you know, like all, you know, D12 guys to ICP guys to Street Lords guys, the East Side Cheddar Boys guys to, you know, all them. You know what I mean? I was out there in Detroit, Paradigm, fucking everyone. And uh, I was so, man, it's, that's the type of thing. It's like we, the Street Lords thing, I think, did make it in. And the Blade Icewood thing, you know, when he died, they they posted a picture. And he his son found me like, hey, do you have more pictures of Blade and my father? I was like, oh, my God, man, I wish I, I do. Yeah, somewhere in the in a storage fucking place in Vallejo or something, maybe. But, uh, yeah, I have so many photos that I don't have that I took from Murder Dog that just exist, hopefully, somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Well, uh, it's been a hell of an interview. Uh, Before we wrap it up, I want to give you the floor. But before I do, do you got any more questions for Matt Sin before we get out of here, brother? Oh, no Friday, but just uh, say, you know, our regional local hip-hop was represented like uh, uh, from Google Music, like Special Report with Rory Sound, so Cutting Crew in Denver. Uh, nobody talk about Cutting Crew, only Murder Dog talk about it. <laughs> and yes, uh, I remember your yep. conversation Matt, with uh, Minneapolis, with the Bloods and Crips, and, uh, and, uh, and a lot of things. Yeah, you did. Oh, yeah. I second that, man. You, I mean, you really contributed a lot to that magazine, and it was an honor yes, to be able to uh, work alongside you, man, and have uh, my name. Man, Scott Beta, Scott Beta telling name. me, Scott Beta telling me that I contributed a lot to Murder Dogs? Shit. You contributed ten times more than I did, probably. For yeah. real. You met, uh, you met, you met known... Uh, Isha Worldwide. Shout out to Isha. Right. He was in a horrific car sure. crash the other day. Um, hmm. and luckily, he's okay. You know, he's getting ready to go on yeah. tour, but he was in a car that got totaled, so I'm glad that he, uh, he didn't oh. suffer the same feat of rest in peace TNT, who, you know, passed yeah. away in a car crash. Uh, but no, man, for, for real, Matt, uh, uh, you wrote a lot of great pieces in the Murder Dog, interviewed a lot of people, and um, it was this, this is something I wanted to do for a long time, and I'm, I'm glad we finally got to do it. Tell them about, uh, before we go, though, uh, I want to give you the floor. Tell them about your podcast and, and everything you got going on right now, brother. Man, brother, for real, like, what everything you just said, I can say right back to you because it's like I listen to the Murder Master Music Show, man. I listen to like my, you know, because you interview my friends, you know what I mean, like our friends, and I get to hear like the real, raw, uncut, you know, talk at this point in time in life, and that's what Murder Dog was all about, and that's what we're all about, man. And it means so much to me that anyone, you know, like yourself especially, is still keeping it real and keeping it happening, man. Like. It's so important, man. It's so fucking important that, like, there's people that care about the artists and the artistry, especially now because back when we were doing what we were doing, and we still are, but when we were doing what we were doing, like, it wasn't 
it was definitely about numbers and sound scan or whatever the fuck, you know, like the industry. But the weird algorithms and numbers and things that I don't even understand anymore, I don't give a shit, man. I think that shit sucks. You know, who's good? Who's great? And you're a person that I can look to and say, okay, he's still representing for who's good and who's great. And I really appreciate that, man. Before we got on, before we got on the air, um, you had mentioned we were talking about David, you know, David Katz, who wrote the Lee Scratch Perry uh, biographies and stuff. Amazing, just reggae historian. He wrote for Murder Dog, you know. And when I was referencing him, you mentioned Brian Bartholomew, man. And Brian Bartholomew was an English black guy who, and I only say, and I hate, you know. Hate to get racial, but I'm saying like he was like he's like this dude in fucking England, black dude from England who was very interested in what was happening in the South, man. And he came out here to the U.S. on a motorcycle with his camera and was working. Did a documentary called "Feel Me Before They Kill Me." He also in California too. He was all around like the U.S. on a fucking motorcycle doing this shit. A great, incredible friend of mine, a dude I fucking love so much, who would got brain cancer and died man like not quite 20 years ago but close to 20 years ago man like he left kids behind and all that he was a an incredible contributor to murder dog an incredible brother of ours but like i mean you mentioned his name i was like he i have a piece of paper in my hand right now of like some notes that i was like i need to make sure and touch on that he's the first person the top of the list like brian bartholomew man like that reach and what murder dog allowed this music to do it's it's not even I can't even explain how important it was that like this magazine existed because I wrote for the source, I wrote for Double XL, I wrote for some of this other shit, man. They weren't caring about the legacies of these incredible human beings making the music that moved us and made it happen. They wanted to, you know, they wanted to cover music. They wasn't like the totally just in, in genuine or whatever, but like Murder Dog was so pure. It was ridiculously pure. Mary Downs and Black Dog Bone and us and the back, you know, the people, T. Eric Monroe. Eric Monroe, man, was just part of like this huge historic hip hop photo exhibit. You know? Like the list goes on and on and on and on. I mean like I can never give enough props to Charlie Braxton. Like I am so happy that that's my brother, my OG. From because we were at Murder Dog together, you know? Like just know him to this day means so much to me. It means so much to me. So, I'm still here. I'm still around. I have a podcast called Talk So Real and Matt Sonzala, and I'm going to get Scott Beta on there too. But I'm going to I'm going to get a better recording. I'm going to I'm going to actually come to you and sit down with the two mics, and we're going to record it together, like face to face. We got to do that. Oh, and uh, man, I'll do it. Like, fuck it. You know, like I know where you're at, man. We can. I can. I can do that, man. We can make it happen, man. We have to make it happen. And uh, Talk So Real Matt Sanzala is basically a podcast where I just talk to my friends, and it's just kind of similar to what Murder Dog was. It's like my friends who do cool things that are kind of unheralded. It hasn't really blown up 
or whatever, but I'm like, hey, man, they've been doing it. They put in the work. It's my people. Hell yeah. I got a lot of little shit in the works and all that, but you can anybody who wants to get in touch with me, it's uh, Matt at Pushermania.com. Pushermania.com has all the links to the podcast, and uh, it's just where I'm at, man. I'm not at 941 podcasts like my brother Scott. But uh, I actually have oh, no idea how many podcasts I've done. I have no idea. <laughs> but it's not 941. There's no way. It, it goes by so fast. I tell you, man. Um, see, we originally started in 04, and I think uh, I quit in, in 08 for, you know, I, I just thought, that ah, yep. I don't want to do this no more. But we brought it back in 2012 and just haven't stopped. It's, it's so I don't think I could stop if I wanted to, man, because I enjoyed talking to people like yourself so much. It's just uh, it's a blessing to still be able to be doing this, man. And man, congrats to you. Man. I want everybody to go check your podcast out, man. And um, you know, it's uh, we got to do this again, brother. Well, I mean, if you want to invite me to be your guest on the twenty. 20- Fifth anniversary show of the Murder Master Podcast, man. I am down, man. If you want me to be like, you know, we can put together. I got this, uh, man. What we should do is, I'm gonna come up there. I'm telling you this right now for real. We're gonna make it happen. 2024, like you just said, you started in 20, 2004. So for the 20th anniversary, let's make it a big deal. Oh, absolutely. Let's do absolutely. it. Absolutely. I'm going to come up there with the mixer. We'll get some cameras. Let's do some shit, man, where we get everybody on the fucking line, man. Let's let's do it. We'll do like a 10-hour podcast of uh, everybody celebrating you for what you've done for this music and this culture, man, like for real. Like I know you from your work. I don't even know you like that, you know, like. Like hanging out and stuff. I know you from your work. Work. You've done it, very literally. And we need to celebrate that, man. And next year is twenty fucking years, man. Shit. Yeah, it's a. Uh, uh, it's hard to believe. A huge honor, man. And uh, you know, it's it's just an honor to to be able to celebrate each other, man. And you know, a lot of these, uh, like I call them, the lamestream uh, media outlets. They um, they'll pick our content to pieces but they'll never focus mm-hmm. on our history you know they want the controversy no. from the interviews but they don't want the backstory to how the interview happened or how this happened or that and it's still for us to be able to kind of look out for each other so to speak and be like you know what man i appreciate what you've done over the years and and uh your contributions to hip-hop because really you know um People that, you know, done things in magazines like Murder Dog and stuff, we really helped a lot of uh, other underground fans find the music that they need to find, you know, and and we turned people on to some good ones over the years, man, so we've been very fortunate in that aspect. Matt, thank you so much, brother. Big time. Let's please do this again. Thank you, brother. And uh, let's stay in touch, man, for sure. Hey, man, I just want to say, too, Sinister, man, um... We're going to be out there. I'm going to be out there in France and all through Europe with them and the dude in October. So we're going to figure out something cool to do when we're out there, man. We're we're going to do a show in Paris finally. Devin hasn't done Paris yet, and we have a – I can't announce everything completely yet, but we're going to do Paris in uh, 
October. Yeah. It could be oh, dope. Oh, man. Sure. Sin will be there. He just interviewed Havoc for us from Mob Deep. Um, yes, anytime sir. somebody comes I heard to France, that. he tries to get up with them. So he's, uh, he, I know he'll be looking forward to get up with Devin the Dude. I haven't, I haven't interviewed Devin in years. I think it was the Murder Dog. But uh, I still have a drop he gave me for the original podcast. And um, it's just amazing. You know what I'm saying? I still got it all these years. Oh, uh, yeah. So shout out to Devin the Dude, man. Um, he's a cool dude. All right, we're getting out of here, when man. He gets off uh, tour, when he gets off the U.S. tour, he'll do it again whenever. Or, uh, yeah, let's make oh, it happen yeah. in Europe, whatever. Hell, yeah. That'd be hell yeah, definitely. Sin, sin definitely not, uh, look forward to that. And uh, let's get out of yes, here with somebody that we both or, or all three of us know. You know what I'm saying? The homie uh, K. Reno. This is Heatbringer, man. Check this shit out. Yeah. Oh. Y'all know who I am. Let me tell y'all who I am. Yo, K. Reno, the rectangular hyperactive genius, creator of the rectangular cipher. South Park liver, ass whooping giver. Lyrics cold enough to make a fucking snowman shiver. I don't listen to country soft rock or heavy metal. Rap motherfuckers, I take to unimaginable levels. The abductor of fools, ridiculous rhyme reaper, confiscating repossessed spirits. Sell them holes for paper. If push comes to shove, that shove gon' lead to shooting. Impulsive die like old ass trees. I'm uprooting a contest. I suggest not to get split. I battle five million sperm in the womb, so you ain't shit. All that you can do is hate me. Your girl can only ride me. I got a microscopic scientist living inside me who guides me. I'm old school to the fullest fool. Beatboxing and cuts. Walking internet so long on K and download these nuts. Don't give a fuck, I feel what I'm saying. Standing 
your mix, I'm transparent, you wonder where I went Calculus, trigonometric, chemistry experiments Allows me to vanish, I'm the wrong man to pick out Lose my mind, bust in the courtroom, moonwalking with my dick out No, for sure, K. Reno, go hard, I crush one Like liquor, I'm pouring lyrics out my book before I bust one Yeah, that's for all the homies that ain't here to witness all The right. witness, cerebrally scaring these assholes shitless this battle for cash, but if you broke, I'll take amps, lamps, credit cards, firstborns, and food stamps. Man, you worse than 700 rude tramps with food cramps. Recruit rappers and run their asses through lyrical boot camps. Disaster. Man, fuck living happily ever after. Retire my rap jersey and hang my mic from the rafters. I'm always in a cop scope, yeah. like wrestling, landing knees first on bastards from off the top rope. Hey, you know, it's the motherfucking heat bringer. Hard ass bomb drop a rough beat banger To your woman I'm that motherfucking meat slanger Hands up if you don't give a fuck I feel what I'm saying Carino It's the motherfucking heat bringer Hard ass bomb drop a rough beat banger To your woman I'm that motherfucking meat slanger Hands up if you don't give a fuck I feel what I'm saying It's like that 2002 Carino and Rough IQ Yeah What's up to my brother? Got made up. We kill all haters. SPC. Fill us our killers.